All right, welcome in, of course, always into the Triangle Podcast. Couch Guy Sports, Big Al over there, Jared Scally over here. Hi, guys. At, at Into the Triangle Pod on Twitter, Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you can find podcasts is basically where you're going to find our name. Uh, don't forget, of course, at Couch Guy Sports is the uh, the old network as well. Go support, merch store, all that good crap um, that we love to talk about. So this week, I was thinking long and hard about ways I could be pessimistic. As as always, because as we know by now, Jared is the pessimistic one on this show. But he keeps Hell me yeah. in check. But yeah. you keep me in check, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Jared. You need to be kept in check. Hey, so, uh, do you, so do you. So do you. That's so, why I'm optimistic. Big topics for me tonight are Dustin Pedroia, because he can't stay out of the news. And we'll get to him. And Rafael Devers and Michael Chavis, kind of, because we keep talking about the ice horse. And... It's kind of a mix in with Chavis uh, and Devers. So we'll talk about them. But I want to start off because we've been doing this every week and why not keep doing it? They're over 500 now. Hey! We did it. Diamond Rainbows! We did it! Yay! Well, let's see back on. Let's go. Hey. No, let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> over, 500, over 500. Three games back out of first as we record this. Um, two and a half back of the Yankees, right? So that's that's, that's good. Uh, they're in the wild card spot in May, so that's important if we all care about that this early in the season, um, which is good because they're starting to play better as they're becoming more and more in the spotlight. Celtics are done because they suck. Uh, Bruins are about to win the Stanley Cup, so that's not far removed. And then all of a sudden, it'll be Red Sox only, and they're playing good again. So panic meter. We're bringing it out because why not? I still have a little bit of panic in me, but... Al, where are you sitting now? It was like a six, I think, last week when we talked about this. Um, where are we going now? I think we're going to go at about a one or a two. I mean, there's not a lot of panic. I still have a little bit of that fear, obviously, that they can go back on a skid. But right now, I mean, they've won their last four series. They've won 16 of their last 22 games. They're going in. They still have five games left at home, two with the Rockies coming up, and then three. I believe it's a three-game series with the Astros. Let me just double-check that. The two or three. It is, yeah, it's two and three. So it's tomorrow and Wednesday against Colorado, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, weekend series with the Astros. So the only reason that the panic meter is still there at all is because obviously the Astros are going to be a good test, and we're going to see if this Red Sox team is truly back. Because if they can take two out of three from this Astros team, then it'll really be a sign of, holy shit, they're actually back. But if they get swept or they lose two out of three, then maybe the panic meter starts to go back up a little bit more. Well, that's the thing is like all these games, they're winning all these games. Who are they really playing? I mean, I give Seattle some credit. Like, they're a good team. They're falling off a little bit, obviously. If, you, if you're even watching baseball, you know they're slipping. But they're still sweeping teams that they should be beating. So I give them credit for that. Because, I mean, earlier in the year, we talked about here. And, and I sat here and complained. You split with the Blue Jays and the Orioles at home. Like, yes. that, that's where we were, like, a month ago. But, um, now they're, but now they're sweeping the Athletics, who last year were an American League wildcard team. And yeah, I get it. Like the White Sox and the Orioles. I get that, Jared. Like obviously they're teams you should beat. But earlier in the season, we were worrying about teams taking care of business. Yep. And now they're taking care of that business. The so that's why that's why the panic meter is very low. The big difference for me, and, and there's still panic there because the injuries are still there and there's some uncertainty, but the biggest difference right now is the run differential is plus 27 as we sit here on Monday night recording. They're at 22 and 19. Where was it, Al? Even a month ago, where do you think it was? Even a month ago, wasn't it like minus forty-two or something? <laughs> it was in the minus forties. So wow. they went. I, in, I, I'm good. I'm in good. three weeks, you're okay. In three weeks, it went from in the minus forties 
and this is before even this week. It was it went to like minus fifteen in like three weeks because they started beating teams eight to two, fourteen to one. Like they flipped their run differential on its head in less than a month, and now they have one of the best run differentials in the league. Um, they are obviously third in the run differential in this division because the Yankees and Rays never went negative like we did. But I look at the panic meter and go, it's a two because of the injuries and some uncertainty things. But honestly, Chris Sale, he's back to being Christopher Sale. I'm, all, I'm fine with that. David Price, we'll get him. That's my concern. He's a little hurt. We'll get him back. Stephen Wright, we talked about it last week. Episode never happened. I apologize. Didn't happen. We, all, we know what we talked about. Didn't get aired. We talked about Stephen Wright and his PED use and why that was idiotic. And I blame him for half of this stuff because he should have been on the mound. Blame him. He'll be back eventually. But this Red Sox team, they're playing well. Three games back of first. Big series against Houston. If you come out of this week only losing one game, that's a huge sure. test. That's a huge win. You want, you want to hear something even crazier, Jared? You want to know how many runs the Red Sox have scored in the last 13 games that they've played? It's a lot. 102. They're averaging seven and a half to eight runs a game. That's pretty damn impressive considering a month ago we were talking about how the power outage was in Boston and they couldn't seem to get anything going offensively. Yeah, they were playing when they, they were playing the Mariners in the, in the second game of the series, the day game. They were there on Saturday. They were they were down like what four one four nothing whatever it was four nothing four nothing after the top half of the first. Yeah, and I actually had no concern because the offense was out, and that's how we felt all of last year. Like all of 2018 World Series run, like they could have been losing nine to nothing in the third inning, and I would have had faith they would have won the game 15 to nine, like just because that's what they did last year. Yeah, it was just everything went right last year. Everything exactly. went right. And this whole first half of the year so far, this first month and a half, I wanted to run to Weenie Hunt Juniors like that. That like would hang out with the team like that. That is literally what we were trying to figure out and be like, okay, but this team sucks. They can't even hit the ball. This past week and a half, two weeks, I felt like they could surpass any deficit, and they did it for nothing. Obviously, not nine nothing, but come, after giving up four runs in the first, the offense bailed them out, and that's what they how they won so many games last year. It wasn't the pitching that did it last year; their offense was stupid good last year. Oh, and bailing, them out, and bailing them out of deficits. Well, they they led almost every offensive category last year, if you really think about it. And if you think about it from just a regular comparison in life, you crawl before you walk, you walk before you run, you run before you sprint. They were in the crawling phase. They're getting to the walking phase. Now they're starting to get into that running phase. And now if they can really take off and, like you said, go like four and one in these next five home games against Colorado and Houston, Mm -hmm. then they're starting to get into that sprint stage where, holy shit, look out, MLB. The Red Sox might just be back and they might – Gain some ground in the AL East and become one of the best teams in the American League again. Yeah, they gained some ground this week. If they go 5-1, and one, then they're going to gain some more ground. That's for sure. It'd be hard to say they wouldn't if that happens. Um, and we talk about the offense, and this is a great segue, so thank you, good sir. You look at what Rafael Devers is doing right now. Batting average, 336. Um, OBP, 408. Slugging, 456. Can you name a person, Big Al, that is above him in the, uh, the American League for batting average right now? Um, let me think right now. If I could think of anybody, I would think it would be one Mr. Mike Trout, but I don't think that's the case. Your Rafael Devers is currently leading the American League in batting average. That's that's insane. If the season ended today, May he'd be the batting oh, champion. Today, May 13th, he'd be the batting champion. He'd be the batting champion. He, he'd be the he'd be the youngest batting champion ever, 14 years old. Go figure that out. Sir Rafael Devers, 13 and a half years old, <laughs> winning the batting title um in May in the middle of May. 
that's what we're going to give him. But to, on a serious note, like Rafael Devers, this is a kid where, and and we sat here and crap on him defensively because he still can't get out of his own way. Yeah, he still stinks defensively, but yeah. that's another story. But for 336, you deal with it. Like, look at Jackie Bradley, the catch he made. And we haven't been on since that catch happened. Oh, my. Th- that might have been the best catch that I've seen in a couple of years. High fly, left center deep. Jackie Bradley racing back all the way to the wall, leaping up. Yeah, no, I needed a couple pairs of pants to watch that baseball game. Um, it, it was insane. I, I honestly, it was funny because backstory, you all don't want it, but I'm going to give it anyway. I was watching in bed, right? Um, it was it was a later game, so I was watching in bed. Wife already fell asleep. Did one of those silent screams because I didn't want to wake her like the good husband I am. So hey, you're average. Go on. Still married after seven months, so we're doing OK. Um, <laughs> watching that ball go. He just he makes it look so effortless. Like it's like I'm watching Griffey Jr. play outfield. It's effortless. He he was sprinting towards the wall, and he just went up and got it. And I like my jaw dropped. I just went, wait, did he actually just catch that? And then some but of the did you, of like the you, Orioles bullpen is fantastic. Did you see his reaction too to it? He literally just casually tossed the ball in. And after yeah. the game in his in his post game press conference, he was like, "That's just what I do." Like he made it like it was no big deal, and everyone else is like, wow, it, is, "It is no big deal." To him, yes, to him it is. But to us regular fans that wish they could even just you know jump a little bit to catch a ball, they're like, "Wow, you know, we can." Act, that's actually an amazing catch, and that's probably one of the best catches you're ever going to see in your life. He went waist ball. high. He went waist high, like over that wall to get that ball. Oh, he and timed it. He timed he, it perfectly. One cleat on the wall, waist high over. Comes down nonchalantly, flips the ball out of his glove. Like he's just casually playing game of catch with his dad and all of a sudden runs back in game continues. And he's like, yep, if I didn't catch it, we would have lost. So I went and caught it. That's what makes great defenders. And I think to make a point out of this, Rafael Devers is the same way at the plate. Like we sit here and excuse Jackie Bradley for hitting negative 200 because we don't care because his defense is so freaking good. Like that's why we don't care. And we even say like, why does he have a spot in the lineup? Because he did what he did the other night. That's why. And he does that more often than not. And now Devers is the exact opposite. He's hitting 336, like you just said, best average in the American League, even though he doesn't know how to field a routine ground ball and throw it at first. Doesn't sometimes matter. like some of the teams that I've coached in the past. Yeah. Well, and and mind you, backstory, Al coaches JV baseball. So just put I mean, he is 13, uh, so I guess he's playing up. So we gotta I guess we have to cut Devers some slack. But th- you look at you look at what Devers is doing, and it turns into a the young kids are leading this team. Devers is hitting like 336 wins the batting title in May. You have Michael Chavis, who obviously was in a bit of a slump, but still is hitting the crap out of the ball and still has some young flair. Defensively looking pretty good at second base, too. Had that really good jumping catch the other day as well. So he's starting to come in his own. Right now, the young kids are bailing you out. Like, it's not like the veterans have really done much, right? So, I mean, besides right. Mitch Moreland, because Mitch Moreland's stupid good. Like, right now, Rafael Devers and Michael Javis are the ones who have been leading this offense out of the slump. And J.D. Martinez hadn't even been hitting that well lately. So it really is these young guns who are really playing for their lives. And that's one topic that kind of goes into this. It's uh, are the veterans getting complacent? I don't think so, but it's a topic for a discussion because young kids really have everything to play for, right? Like Michael Javis just got called up 
for hell's sake. Like he's playing for his career. And Rafael Devers didn't ha- had an okay year last year, but he's still playing like for to become the permanent third baseman. No one's set in stone there yet. So he has a little more of momentum to prove to keep, you know? So it's it's one of those things where I don't know if you believe in this, but I, I kind of look at the, the veterans and go, guys, you need to stop. You need to figure it out consistently. Like Mookie looks okay, but the complacency looks like it was starting to set in. And these two young guys came in and just started hitting the crap out of the wall and, and helped this team wake up a little bit. I mean, there could be a little bit of the complacency, like you just said, Jared, but I don't think that this team is going to be complacent as a whole. Cause like you just said, the young kids are stepping it up and it's amazing to see now. Will guys like JD Martinez and Mookie Betts step it up and come the, like June. I think so. A hundred percent because they're too good at hitters and they're just too good at baseball players to continuously go through these slumps that they've been going through. And even we mentioned it a little bit last episode, Mookie seemed like he was waking up a little bit. He was starting to, you know, hit the long ball and just everything else in between. But you're right. Like these veterans need to wake up because if this Red Sox team is going to continue to go up and up and up, especially in the American league East, they need those guys to step up. They can't just rely on the young guys for the whole season because it's just not going to happen. No, it, it can't happen, and that's the biggest thing is um, I, I think Devers is going to consistently hit the crap out of the ball all year. Like I, I don't think this is a fluke because when he came up and even in the World Series we and even before that, we, we expected him to be a hitter. That's what he was known for. Same with Chavis. Now, Devers' swing has more chance to be a consistent swing because you, you see Michael Chavis hit the ball. It's, it's very loopy, one-handed, and, and you can see him not hitting for average. And that's the, that's the only concern there. He hits moon bombs, like his missile moon bombs, but can't necessarily hit the other way. And he's, he's really not going to hit for average. That's the biggest thing, right? So that's the concern there. Devers' swing is built to last. He's smooth. He hits opposite field, but he also can hit the crap out of the ball when it's in the zone. So here's the thing, Jared. Here's the only thing I'm going to disagree with you about, about Devers' swing. Devers' swing is so long that if he gets a 95 and up fastball, he might have trouble hitting it especially if it's properly located. Now, obviously, this is coming from the baseball coaching side of me where I'm looking at the game within the game itself, looking at mechanics, looking at everything else in between. Mm-hmm-hmm. Fancy, fancy, Mr. Coach over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and I've said it for a couple of years, I've said it for as long as Devers has been up here. I just, there's something about his swing that I'm just not in love with. Obviously, he's getting the job done, and that's what we care about. Like we say, it doesn't have to look the prettiest, but as long as it's putting up production, then we're fine. But there's some holes in that swing that I'm a little bit worried about because when he goes too crazy, and you see it, Jared, when he swings out of his ass and he doesn't make contact, that's when we have a problem. Okay. I'm going to say this. One thing I'm curious about, and you're right. Obviously, there are some quirks in the swing, and you you deal with that moving forward. I get into a situation where I look at his swing and I'm okay with it because the biggest concern for me is, is he hitting? And that's where that's what works. Now, Al, I'm going to ask you this: as a coach, what about Gary Sheffield? Right? What about did you do you look at Gary Sheffield's swing and go, he won't hit in the majors? Look at Vladimir Guerrero. Meh. Right? No, I I see I see what you mean with Guerrero though with with Guerrero though. Don't forget Vladimir Guerrero. He swung at anything, and he think he used like a 35 inch bat. So probably had I mean, a 35 inch bat. Hey, oh. Hey, but I'm not trying to nitpick at that because Guerrero, obviously those are two Hall of Fame worthy guys. So I get that. But I mean, now in this day and age, it's all about launch angle. It's all about that. Me being an old school guy, 
if I did see Gary Sheffield, I probably would think he wouldn't hit in the major leagues. Now, obviously, he's pr- he would prove me wrong, and I know I can be wrong. I've been wrong on the show before, a little less frequently than Jared, but that's another story. But, but the thing is, it, I don't know what it is about Devers. There's just something about that swing that it just it drives me nuts. But as long as he continues to get it done, I'm just gonna say, who cares? Because it, it's it's working for him. All right. Dustin Bedroya. Uh, why? And why? Why? Dustin Bedroya. No. No. The little leader. I'm refusing. I'm refusing. No, we're talking about it because there's news. There's there's an update on Dustin Bedroya. So we're talking about him. If you don't want to talk about him, I'll bring in Liam. And we're going to bring in Liam anyway. So for those of you, (laughs) I I didn't introduce him. And we're going to do it now because I'm actually curious. He actually is a Red Sox fan, too. And I want to know what he thinks about little leader himself. But (laughs) we have a new producer, so I don't have to do it anymore. Yay! Uh, no more chair producer. Liam Smith is on the other side. Um, Liam, What's thank you for joining on, guys? us. Thanks How for having you? me here. Glad to be part of uh, such a prestigious podcast so early on. <laughs> Funny oh, backstory boy. on how I find Liam. Actually, I work with his cousin at my day job. And when his cousin Ryan came up to me and said, hey, you still looking for a producer? I went, uh-oh, where's this going? Because Ryan doesn't do this kind of stuff. He sells like I do. And so I was a little like, okay, am I getting a producer? Is it going to be Ryan? Like, does Ryan want to be a part of this? And Liam, you can back me. Ryan's not meant for this world. Um, Might not have been the guy <laughs> you wanted. Yeah, 100%. Love you, Ryan, but no. Um, so I'm glad. And Liam is a hardcore Red Sox fan, so it kind of worked out. Yep. This he's he's going to be the one seed. Okay, so Liam, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. We're not going to give our opinions yet. I want you to be the first one to break the ice here. Um, so the news that has popped out is Dustin Pedroia has been pulled off his rehab assignment because of knee soreness. He is now going to be rec- – he's recalled, so he's going to be back with the club. Um, apparently it is a, a not really a blip in the road, but I don't know what they're calling it. All we know is he's back with the team. He's supposed to end up continuing his rehab assignment. Liam, as a diehard Red Sox fan that you are – is Dustin Bedroya retiring? Is his career over? Is I it mean, time? I kind of just like, can we make him a coach already? Can we get him on the sideline in any other form than an injured player? Uh, I'm, I grew up, it would have been Pedroia's MVP season. I would have been in middle school probably, so I was really coming into my sports fandom. And uh, I'm into something else at that age too. Hello. Yeah, a lot of a lot of emotions going on at that. <laughs> a lot age. of things happen at that stage. A lot life. of oh, stuff boy. in that middle school period. But back to Pedroia, uh, he was one of those guys that you know I got to see him come on as a rookie and dominate, and then I got to watch him slowly turn into uh, the locker room leader that he is. So endless respect for Pedroia. Um, you know, I w- I would never. I'm not in the business of losing good people. So, you know, I'm never going to push him out. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a little tiring to hear all the injury updates. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. But, um, you know, with Pedroia, I hope whatever happens, he remains involved in the organization in some capacity. Yeah, and I, I agree. He definitely should stop playing and stop trying to play. I, uh, I think we're all in agreement I, there. I, I think we're past that. I, I also agree. Liam, that a coaching thing should happen immediately because he's already doing it. Like yeah. if you watch any footage at all and you cover these, you watch these guys on Twitter, you watch all the beat writers, there's always pictures of Pedroia with Devers working on his footwork. Um, he was working with Chavis. He, he helps the pitchers for Christ's sake. He watches the pitching film 
and tells them what they're doing wrong. He might as well – he's going to be a manager at some point if he really wants to be. Like, he has that ability. I think he just needs to stop trying to play. His knees won't last anymore. Every time he gets out there, something happens and he's sore. You have a guy to take his spot. Yeah, Chavis is a little defensively immature, but he can hit the crap out of the ball. He's younger, and you know he's going to be on the field. My only concern with Chavis is if he's going to get popped for PEDs again. That's the only thing there. But maybe long-term, that's not your solution. But Pedroia shouldn't be in the mix, and he needs to stop trying to come back. Stay up here. You just got recalled because your knee hurts. Boo-hoo. Stop trying. Stay on as a coach, right? Stop being on the active roster and just be around the team and help the team and be the leader that you think you are. I, I don't really think Dustin Pedroia is a great leader, but he can coach, and he can actually sit there and, and break down the game, watch film, and he clearly knows every position because, again, a second baseman helping your pitching staff, that doesn't come around every day, and, and it's stuff that actually worked. So that's where I'm at. I, I think he needs to sit down, get over his knee, maybe wear a brace because that's where it's going. The old man Pedroia has to hobble around. You've had a good career. You have, you have multiple World Series championships. Get over it. Coach, move on. All right, I'm not going to hash too much more on what you both just said because I agree with pretty much everything you both have said. Enough with the playing. Give your knee a rest because that knee's never going to get better. There's always some sort of complication going on. So you know what? Get into a coaching role. Become a manager in like 10 years. Ride off into the sunset with your World Series championships, just like Jared just mentioned, and your MVP award, and your Rookie of the Year award, everything that you've accomplished with the Red Sox. And move on. Just move on. And honestly, we should just move on from talking about him because he's, it's just a never-ending case of talking about he's never going to come back, he's never going to be the same, and he can't, stay help, he can't stay healthy for more than like six games. That's it. That's it. Just move on from Dustin Pedroia. Move on. Oh, Dustin Pedroia. The little leader that the little leader that couldn't. Dustin. He 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 is being a shooby. He is my first nomination for being a shooby. Woogity, woogity, woogity. Uh look, this team is playing well. I will admit that. I want that they're back. I, I, as of right now, I can I will sit here and that's me saying this. They are back. Um he just isn't a part of the equation. He just doesn't fit into what they're doing. Look, there was no coincidence in my eyes. He leaves the team. Morale gets boosted. Like, again, I've said this over and over again, multiple places I've been on over the years. Pedroia is respected in that locker room. His teammates love him. That might be a bad thing because when he gets negative, he gets upset. He freaks out and and he, he was part of the chicken and beer team. He was a part of that. So, like, as much as you want to say he wasn't involved and whatever it may be, look at the situation last year when David Price and Dennis Eckersley went at it, right? Justin Pedroia was right up there at the front of the plane defending David Price. Right? And we all bash David Price for that. Pedroia only cares about himself and doesn't really care about the team as a whole. And, yeah, he's going to back his teammates, but that might also be a fault, which we've seen. Um, and, we, and that's the biggest thing for me. Well, also, look at the situation in Baltimore. I mean, that's another prime example. What did he say when they were coming at him? That's them. It's not me. Once again, it's about him. He's a me guy. The Red Sox don't need these me guys in the locker room anymore. That's why they got rid of the chicken and beer guys, and that's why they got away from that old format. And this new format under Alex Cora has worked. It brought 119 wins the last season, combined regular season and postseason, winning a World Series title, and now you're trying to do it again. Keep the same mentality and stop having a me guy in the locker room. Just stop having it. 
the hardest thing, and, and this is kind of the last note is with Dustin Pedroia, is can Alex Cora stand by his team rather than his guy? Because, again, we know this. Cora and Pedroia were teammates. They played together. Um, that was a big thing Cora talked about when he first took the job. It was, uh, I, I like having Pedroia here because he knows he has a second voice in the clubhouse to help him. Um, and they're friends, right? And that's the, and they've done a good job with that. Obviously, Pedroia wasn't really around much that last year for him to be affected as a manager because Cora didn't have to make the tough decisions of keeping Pedroia out of the lineup or what to do with Pedroia because he wasn't playing. He wasn't healthy enough to play. And this year, kind of the same idea, right? Like, Pedroia got hurt, and now it's not a problem. I don't even know if I want Pedroia around as a player because I don't know if Alex Cora can handle it. And, and that's also part of it, too. He admits he can, but he's never really been tested in that factor, and, and, and now I'm kind of hoping he doesn't have to be. I don't think he has to be because I think, like you just said, Cora and Pedroia have that relationship. But it's going to come down to Pedroia has to do what's best for him. Cora has to do what's best for the whole organization. And the best thing for the organization is to move on with these kids like Michael Chavis. And then if Chavis has a day off, you go to a guy like Brock Holt or Eduardo Nunez, who can, who's not going to give you the power that Chavis has, but they're going to be fine and they're sufficient backups. So you know what? Like we've kind of concluded, all three of us, time for Dustin Pedroia to start seriously thinking about his second career with baseball that is, does not involve playing the game. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless everybody. Um, we'll leave it there. Good topics. Good shows. Red Sox are back. The most important topic theme of the show. We have a new producer. Another important theme. Red Sox take a backseat to Liam. It's all important. It's all good stuff. L- Liam's the man. Like if we, like we're going to be in a situation where if this blows up at all, Liam gets the credit. It's that we're at that point. <laughs> That's Liam what I'm here all, for. I'm here Liam for the gets, credit. Here for the Liam cherry gets on all top. the credit. <laughs> <laughs> hard work. I'll uh, record and uh, make dreams happen. Let's do it. Liam's gonna allow us to eat our cake and kind of have it too. Do yeah, it. he's gonna he's gonna become Steve Peralt. I said that before we even recorded. He is going to become Steve Peralt. If he becomes Steve Peralt, Liam, you're winning. That's a success. I'll take that. That's a huge success. All right. Don't forget on Twitter, add into the Triangle Pod. Follow us. Good stuff's happening. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. The biggest thing you can do. If you do one thing out of every goddamn thing we ask you to do. Subscribe, 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 and subscribe again. Tell your your friends to subscribe. Tell your mother to subscribe. Tell your mom's dog to subscribe. We're a dog-friendly show. Don't be afraid to have the dogs hit the button, too. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Um... Don't forget CouchGuysSports.com as well. It's who we're founded by. It's who our home is. Uh, go to the merch store. Buy some merch from the Couch Guys store. It's great stuff. The long sleeve. Even we, might, just... we might even have some merch coming soon. You never Woo! know. Just stay tuned. But until then, if you end up on the store, buy some merch. Uh, Big Al over there. Liam Smith behind the glass. Love that. And uh, Jared Scali here at Into the Triangle Pod on Twitter. See you next week, people. See you next week, guys. See you next week. Go Saw!